Welcome to episode 34 of Lights in the Sky podcast, casual chat about uncasual things. I'm Luke. And I'm Tony. And this is the nation's premier and original podcast. Yes, it Why is. Why would I say original? Because pretty soon everyone's going to be in on the um, bandwagon. In, in this country, yes. So <laughs> I think we're, we're a bit late to jumping on that bandwagon for podcasts, it yep. seems. Um, or at least traditional media is. It's <laughs> New Zealand is labelling podcasts the uh, Netflix of the ears. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> That's what this article is saying. So you found an article on a New Zealand news website yep. that's basically saying... Here's what a podcast is. Yeah, so despite it being 2017, there was this podcast that popped up, um, and, and probably a couple of months ago, around a famous murder case in New Zealand, and mm-hmm. um, the, the one the journalist made a podcast about, it and it was, it was it was a good podcast. Did you listen to Black Hands? Black Hands, <laughs> hands, hands like chickens, <laughs> hands. Um, no, but I do listen to. I've just started. Um, I was excited because I found another New Zealandy podcast. Um, I've been listening to Kiwi Crimes podcast, which is like a. Um, I would like to listen to that potentially. Um, yeah, so it's it's just one person. Uh, well, in the early episodes, at least the ones that I'm up to, um, just recounting some tales of, um, you know, unsolved murders or solved murders, even. Um, or nice. Should crimes. we just should we just put this on in the background, just duck out for a while, <laughs> yeah. and phone this one in? Yeah, they're pretty short episodes, like ten to fifteen minutes. Like you could churn through them pretty easy um, with just an afternoon's chores around the house, as you tend to do with podcasts or the odd commute here and there. Oh, the logo's got a kiwi on it. Yeah, um, and it's nice to hear from uh, other New Zealandies. How so. do they have nine reviews and they've only got nine episodes? Come on! I think they're well entrenched in the in the scene. So, um, looking at the Twitter and stuff from, from Kiwi Crimes podcast, which I should look up. Like, there's no point talking about it if we're just kind of, um, not even going to plug. Um, so this, yeah, this is just kind of a one, one man band. <laughs> there's, a, there's a good review here. <laughs> they could be talking about our podcast. So amateurish. It made me cringe. Unlistenable. <laughs> Imagine if we got that, like, we could finally get a review. And is that a that. review of Kiwi Crimes podcast? a review podcast? of Kiwi Crimes, Brilliant. Yeah. Um, Everything else is five stars. I've only listened to and the they first got that one, one too. And they got that one horrible rating. Oh, sheesh. Um, at Kiwi Crimes pod is their Twitter. Hey, Sarah, 45 hours ago, said, love true crimes, love podcasts, love being a Kiwi. <laughs> Very nice. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not our podcast, but still. <laughs> Just read other people's podcast <laughs> reviews. Yes. That's what it's come to. <laughs> <laughs> um, hosted by Jess, a podcast telling the stories of the missing, murdered, and more from Aotearoa, which is New Zealand. Yes. Um, so the article says, um, you know, so do you want to start a podcast? And it says anyone, anyone can start a podcast, although levels of professionalism, audio quality, and general listenability may vary. Mm-hmm. Mm. I and mean, if you listen to our early ones, apologies, etc. Uh, but making a podcast is the relatively easy part. The harder question is, how do you distinguish your podcast about cooking tips, cats, or an episode-by-episode episode analysis of Buffy the Vampire Slayer Brilliant. from the more than 350,000 other active podcasts hosted by Apple alone? You, re- you ringing? My, my work phone's ringing. Is it a work emergency? Do we need to take this? No, I'm just going to turn it off. Call declined. Nice. <laughs> I don't even know why I have this phone on me. It's the weekend. 
So, yeah, it talks about the, like, struggles of, of promoting your podcast. And that, like, because going into this for us, it wasn't about getting listeners. It was about just finding a bonding activity, a, yeah. you know, a male bonding activity that we didn't have to touch wieners with. As an excuse to catch up every weekend without having to pay for tickets to rugby games. Yeah. <laughs> Because we were going to the rugby, but then we just talked the whole way through. And we yeah, like, exactly. And we're like, so, we, catch up, so we're paying catch to sit outside in the cold <laughs> and drink really expensive beer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and now we can drink uh, home brew. Well, no, we could. don't make home brew. Well, we could. I could make home brew. We could gather on Saturdays and drink energy drinks. Yeah. Like we tend what to we're do. doing at the moment. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, definitely that's a thing though. If 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 we were doing this to chase listeners, I could see how that's a hard graft. Like um, we've got some very good numbers, but we're damn near what thirty something, thirty four weeks. What does that equate to in months? Lots, loads of months, loads into this. Well, this is where we might be able to sort of get some of this back. So, um, <laughs> so when media companies start applying to New Zealand on air uh, from this month for podcast funding, so we can we can do that. We can apply from this month. Yeah, seriously. Uh, this is one of the costs they will hope to recover. Um, well, the previous paragraph said journalist time. <laughs> right. Well, we spent a bit of time. I spent a bit of time this week getting stories and stuff, yeah, and I you mean, spent a lot of time editing. I go to Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It doesn't go there itself. So New Zealand Air spokeswoman says that the level of funding depends on such factors as the budget for the content, or ours would be big budget. Yeah, obviously. We've yeah. got to get some yeah. bank. The audience size, well, significant for us. Yeah, huge. Uh, and uh, the significance of the platform and how much investment there is. Well, you know, that ironing board cover doesn't pay for itself. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, yeah, that's a bit of a... I don't know if you gave a shout out to the ironing board cover last week. So the ironing board that uh, is podcasted on has uh, <laughs> now got a new ironing board cover from the uh, high quality New Zealand chain called The Warehouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, When I actually bought that, it was like obviously someone had returned it because it was like out of the bag already and like ripped open and taped back together. <laughs> uh, so that's $10 that, you, you know, I'm not going to get back unless I plug New Zealand on here. It'd be nice if they um did the decent thing and shouted us to roswell new mexico yeah and get, we, you, we could interview some peeps so ahead of the first podcast funding round the question is hypothetical we always have hypotheticals <laughs> uh we will have to wait and see what applications we receive mm. so yeah um we'll be putting ours forward yeah no doubt absolutely so well, probably not but well, well no we wouldn't well we wouldn't get it but <laughs> we're putting it forward at least they like dick jokes <laughs> if we can play them the episode of you taking dick pics with a mars rover <laughs> to get funding if we get funding for that yeah that award-winning uh content yeah yeah i mean there's enough true crime on podcasts i mean i like true crime podcasts but how many dick pic podcasts are there that's, there's a niche that's a niche a, a dick pic a, niche it's a big niche depending on how much you rub it yeah <laughs> And with that, maybe we uh, move on. Move on? Okay, so, um, yeah, like uh, like we often do at the start of the show, we um, have some casual chat about some <coughs> casual things. Um, we have had hypothetical questions. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had mm-hmm. the odd game. We had the mm-hmm. wee dice game mm-hmm. last week. Ooh, mm-hmm. Oh, we should also say we haven't figured out a method to give one no. the book yet. <laughs> so this the- is only one day after we record. It's, it's like, is it just over 12 hours since we recorded that last yeah. episode? So yeah. we, yeah. I basically went home. We haven't even slept. come up with a title for the last episode <laughs> yet. So, yeah. Um, 
so we haven't figured out a method for the book and spoiler alert we won't figure one out for next week either no. because we're filming <laughs> we're filming we're recording that straight after this um but consider yourself lucky because it's it gonna was be either me. this or we have like two months off yeah <laughs> or was it a is it a month off um it was it was we'll four, it, it was three four, months it off. was four weeks in a row which equates to seven months i yeah, believe there you go. yeah 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 sweet we so, both flunked math so <laughs> um so we haven't figured that out yet but we will um and we're still very excited about it we're still reeling from the reveal from last night um which was last week for our dear listeners. Okay, so um, at the top end of this one... I'm on I a high, we... on a buzz from that, and it's not just my sugar-free Red Bull. So there's a thing, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Reddit. I'm very familiar. Are you? Not really. <laughs> um, where people do something called an AMA. Ask me anytime. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so what I was thinking is we do a AMA for you. And we call it Tone AMA. Tone AMA, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm just going to throw you some um, some questions and basically ask you anything. Okay. So um, that way you can get to know you, get to know all about you. What if I get the question wrong? Yeah. It's the risk we take, <laughs> wow, I guess. It is a risky business. Bit business? Business? So I thought I'd start it with a simple one. Okay. We've all heard... Um, dietary concerns we've heard God. mortgage concerns we've heard um, uh, street signs rubbish street bins concerns, cars washing related concerns um so i'm staying away from all of that and i'm just going to throw out there um favorite slash top three or what's in your mix for uh, best sci-fi movies or tv shows um, and I'm putting you on the spot here, but I've copped a lot of stick for things like Terminator, having not seen it. I love Terminator. It's yeah. very, it's, it's, it, Terminator 2 is really up there. So when I'm thinking of movies myself, I'm, I often think of like, what's a really good one that I've watched in the last year? But then there's also classics that come back to like, what, what was the movie I would watch if I was like home off um, school? sick in bed or whatever that kind of comfort movie nostalgia type stuff honestly what the official top 10 sci-fi mu- movies are honestly, that's a good but... point so would terminator i know terminator was one that you used to watch a lot yeah so would All that the be up there? every oh yeah absolutely for me terminator 2 would be at the top i love it and i think it's probably because it's a throwback to um sick days when i was a kid and like that's seven, what i mean yeah. and dad would be home from work looking after me and he'd always put that on vhs and yeah. i'm like surely this is another i'm too old i'm not old enough for this but <laughs> dads don't care <laughs> just yeah just because i think because i watched it as a kid and i thought it's not really that spooky and you know when you watch it as an adult and you no know, freaky mm. when it's i it's not made for kids no but one thing is a seven-year-old watching it like the scene <laughs> oh you haven't seen it anyway but yeah no, the scene seen terminated where, where sarah connor gets obliterated by a nuclear bomb at what? a park Spoilers. and it's just like i mean it's a it's a, it's a uh, flash ford <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um it's just it used to freak me out considerably mm. There's a lot of these are old school movies that are on this top ten, like oh, yeah? E.T., um, Star Wars. Where do you fall in the Star oh, the, the Wars put, thing? They put Matrix in there. Um, I'm not on board. Really? Never been on board. Yeah, I struggle. I, I, I try any of it because it's because I quite like uh, Disneyland and it's just invading Disneyland. So I try. I go to 
them, but yeah, I struggle to get into them to be honest. The closest, um, yeah, so I think the closest I've managed is those Family Guy ripoff spoofs. <laughs> <laughs> I like the new, um, the new Star Wars movies are quite watchable. Um, from a classic perspective, mm-hmm. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Still haven't seen it. Mm, I like that one. Yeah, yep. no doubt. I I saw um, Flight of the Navigator was on TV just oh, the other cool. day. Yeah, um, watched the start of it. Dated, but we'll we'll carry on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think if, uh, in, in picking a, a a movie genre, I'm less likely to pick sci-fi right. than others. Okay, just um often because they take a lot of concentration and like, when it comes to movies i'm not, I'm not that good at paying attention okay. so that's why i favor ones i've seen older ones i've seen a million times right right so like I, like watching inception that takes a bit of effort yeah it's a good movie do you know it's a really good movie i like it but i think i've it only takes... actually seen it once in the theater years oh, ago but I've, it just sticks with you that one. yeah, it, yeah. i've seen it a few times and it's a good it's a good film but it's something you do have to watch again and again and i do like to be able to watch a movie with my personal electronic device open and then reading about what's happening so i can make sure i'm following along <laughs> another one that's really good is um moon um, I haven't seen it. Actually. You haven't seen it? Haven't seen Moon. Oh, you've got to watch Moon. I thought you recommended that to me. No. Oh, someone else? Clearly not me. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, Moon, moon movie. <laughs> yeah. Moon movie. And I started watching Life, but that seems like it's heading more towards horror than anything as well. All right, so in, in summary, um, poor question because it should have been, do you even like sci-fi movies? I made that assumption. And the answer would be... Kinda, but it depends. <laughs> depends. Yeah. Look, I like the sci- uh, Yeah, I think I don't like the really unrealistic sci-fi stuff. Really. Yeah. It just it doesn't sit for me too well. Mm-hmm. Um, you need that thing where it's just one kind of leap of imagination and then grounded in reality with everything else. Yeah. Prometheus, Prometheus two, Prometheus, Prometheus two, which is the prequels, sequel. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's a prequel sequel. It's a prequel sequel. Is there many other prequel sequels? Well, well, how does the Star, the Star Wars, Wars stuff ones work in were, there? Yeah. yeah, Star Wars stuff, definitely prequel sequel. Prequel sequel. <laughs> Coming soon, the prequel sequel. <laughs> Prometheus 2. Shall I jump into my story? Just before you do that, I... Oh, God. <laughs> I looked at Prometheus 2. It, has, yeah. uh, it says here, a YouTube... The first thing is some YouTube video. New trailer, YouTube, that says, Fresh movie trailers. The very first alien convent movie. Uh, convent? 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 Covenant? Covenant, thank you. Movie trailer. <laughs> and it says, Ridley Scott, you fucking fag. Why? <laughs> dot, dot, dot. It's the first thing that comes up. Brilliant. <laughs> Why? Because I didn't want it made at all? Covenant. I said it right that time. Yeah. I don't know. I, say, I, won't even go, I won't even go into it. What did you think of Interstellar? Actually, it wasn't bad. Yeah. That was quite... I mean, that took a bit of... Intru- uh, I mean... So it's, it's playing, again, yeah. Christopher Nolan. So yeah. same dude as Inception. Um... Interstellar was was definitely one where I was reading along to the plot as I was going through. Really, I was like, okay, so now that now that all this time is now there's like this gravitational slingshot, and now all this time has passed. So why is that again? Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, I didn't think it was that hard to get. (laughs) (laughs) But here we are. I was struggling, learning about Tom. 
Ton AMA. <laughs> he was struggling through this. <laughs> so I said, why, are they, why is that all the time past? <laughs> why is it like 50 years past now? It's so weird to want to read along with it. I, you could totally do that with something like Game of Thrones. I think I would get oh, yeah, more into to. Game of Thrones I had, than well, that. Yeah, I had like a whole chart out on Game of Thrones. Yeah, so I, did, I just gave up. Seasons. Yeah, I, I need to. I'm going to try it again. But <laughs> I had a whole chart out tracking all the family lineage, lineages and we were, you know, the family yeah. trees. Like, okay, so okay, so he's doing her. Oh, no, they're doing each other. Oh, but, but they're, they're on the same. Sister. They're on the same. Yeah, <laughs> but they're born next to it's each like other. They've, on obviously, the chart. they've obviously made a mistake, and accidentally, they're the you know the the producers have got confused, and the writers have got confused, and they've started you know mating brothers with sisters. <laughs> Not so. No, it turns no, out that's so just it was, Game of Thrones. That was meant to be happening. Yeah. yeah, I watched about four seasons, and then I was like, "This is way too slow." When they start announcing like another you know three or four seasons out and we've been being very thing. controversial though with the fact that we both haven't watched really watched much of game of thrones yeah um i'll make a pledge to get back into it <laughs> okay yeah okay you can bend like that i'm gonna say i'll i'll watch it at some stage but i want to catch up before this final season comes out which i've got like 18 months so yeah 18 <laughs> months yeah until the next season comes out yeah. the final season it can be too angry because rick and morty was two and a half years or something oh yeah. <laughs> um, i still haven't caught up yeah um, i wonder if we're talking too much about nonsense and not enough about paranormal stuff and people are I think actually we probably are yeah i think we're probably talking too much crap in this one. yeah i think we are <laughs> so i'm going to jump into my story okay um and this is around um <clears throat> the green green Brier ghost which i'm going to struggle with that word so is this the ghost who trials a trial something like that <laughs> Come along with me on this journey. Can I hold your hand? No. Okay. The alleged ghost of a young woman in Greenbrier County, West Virginia, United States, who was murdered in 1897, initially initially judged a death by natural causes. The court later declared that the woman had been murdered by her husband following testimony by the victim's mother, in which she claimed her daughter's, daughter's spirit revealed the true cause of death. Okay's... Let me give you some background. Please. So hopefully that brings some people back in. Has <laughs> <laughs> anyone left? Yeah. Alva Hester, the, the murder victim, was born in Green, Greenbrier County sometime around 1873. It's a shame they called it that name. Well, it's a shame for me. So yeah. These days, yeah. Yeah. I couldn't pronounce Covenant. <laughs> covenant. Covenant before. Almost nothing is known of her early life other than she was brought up near... It's rich, weird when there's words you can't pronounce. ...Richlands, and <laughs> she gave birth to a child out of wedlock in 1895. <gasps> that is scandalous. In October 1896, Zona met a drifter <laughs> named Edward Stribling Trout. Sorry? Edward Stribling Trout Shoe. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is not even made up. A drifter named Edward Stribling Trout Shoe, who I'm going to call Ed... <laughs> He had moved to the county in search of a new life and to work as a blacksmith. He found work in the shop of one... He should have called himself Smith. <laughs> He's going to pick a stupid name. Yeah. Let's pick Edward Smith. Maybe he was a cobbler, hence shoe. Maybe. <laughs> it's spelled differently, but we'll play on. Um, found work in the shop of one James Crookshanks. Uh, Zona met him not long after his arrival in town. The two fell in love and soon married, despite objection to the match by Zona's mother. Wait, Ed fell in love with James Crookshank? Nope. <laughs> Obviously, I didn't get there. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's very progressive to have same-sex marriage back then. Zona's mother, Mary, um, had taken an instant dislike to Ed. 
The couple live peacefully for Did a Mary short time. Did Mary take his last name? Um, don't know. Okay. Wait, Mary's the mother. Okay, well, who's the girl? Zona. Zona. So Zona didn't take his last name. Um, something don't drippy so. shoe or something. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I'll stop interrupting. <laughs> It's lots of confusing stuff. The couple lived peacefully for a short time, but on January 23rd, 1897, Zona's body was discovered at her home by a young boy who had been dispatched to the house by Ed on an errand. The boy found Zona lying at the foot of the stairs, stretched out with her feet together and one hand on her stomach. The boy ran to tell his mother, who summoned the, the local doctor and coroner, uh, George Knapp. Nap did not arrive for close to an hour. I think that's a ufologist's name, actually. This one's K-N-A-P-P. Same thing? Keep going, I'll find out. Okay. By the time the doctor arrived, Shu had carried his wife's body upstairs to the bedroom and laid her out on the bed. He dressed the corpse himself. This was unusual, as traditionally the job of washing and preparing the body for burial would be undertaken by the women of the community. Nevertheless... Ed dressed her in a high-necked dress with a stiff collar and placed a veil over her face. He remained by the corpse while Dr. Knapp examined it, cradling his wife's head and sobbing. Ed, noting the husband's grief... No, sorry. Knapp, the doctor, noting the husband's grief... Topologist. ...gave the the body only a brief examination, noting some bruising on the neck when he tried to look closer. Um... While he was leaning in to uh, get a closer look around the neck, Ed reacted so violently that Knapp ex- ended the examination and left the house. Some dodgy going on here. There is. Um, so, on, on speaking of George Knapp, yep. <laughs> uh, he was the one who interviewed Bob Lazar, who claimed to have worked at uh, uh, Area 51. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Which Olympian was he? Uh, he did the uh, shot poot. <laughs> I think. Actually, he's holding some discus type award at the Peabody, so that must be a bit of a shot put. Yeah. I said discus and shot put. <laughs> and, and shot put. So, so far in the story, we have um, Ed, the husband, sending a boy with an errand to his house where the boy discovers his missus. His missus, with her, lying with her feet together and her hand and on, on her, her chest. Belly. Um, the boy then um, heads for the doctors and the coroners. And the coroner's doctor takes an hour to get here, get there, by which time Ed has uh, dragged the body upstairs, dressed her, and is cradling her head in his arms. Um, because of his grief, unusual behaviour. Yeah, yeah. Because of his grief, uh, doctor was unable to um, examine too closely. And he had to go and interview Bob Lazar for Area 51 testimony, so he was had two things to do. So he's busy. Initially, Zona's cause of death was list, listed as an everlasting faint. <laughs> <laughs> Later, this was changed to childbirth. Okay. <laughs> Knapp had been treating her for female trouble for two weeks before her death, but whether she was pregnant or not is unknown. Zona's parents were soon informed of her death, Mary Jane Heaster, Mary, her mother, is reported to have said that the devil has killed her upon hearing the news. Uh, Zona was buried on January 24th, 1897 in the local cemetery. Um, Ed showed great devotion toward the body, keeping a vigil at the head of the open coffin during the move. The body was laid out in the Hester's house. Uh, Soon his behavior began to arouse suspicion. 
During the wake, his grief changed repeatedly from overwhelming sadness to incredible energy. Oh, I, I, maybe you had one of these uh, energy drinks? newfangled energy drinks that we're having. Yeah. You, you're with your sugary meme, sugar free. <laughs> he allowed no one to come close to the coffin, especially while he was placing a pillow on one side of her head and rolled up sheet on the other. He explained these additions by saying that they would help his wife rest easier. He also tied a large oh, scarf dead, at the corpse. So it's probably not going to help, but large scarf at the corpse's neck, explaining tearfully that it had been her favourite. When it came time to move the corpse to the cemetery, though, several people noticed that there seemed to be a strange looseness to Zona's head. Oh, for her part, Mary Hester was convinced that her son-in-law had murdered his wife. After the wake, she removed the sheet from inside the coffin and tried to return it to him, but he refused it. She noticed an odd odour about it, so she washed it. The water in the basin turned red when she dropped the sheet in. The sheet then turned pink, and the water cleared. The stain could not be removed, which Mrs. Hester interpreted as a sign that Zona had been murdered. (gasps) Oh, do we have any, like, scary dramatic music or something like that we can add in? No. Damn. She began I'm setting to- work for you. I'm setting workload for you, aren't <laughs> yeah, I? you are. That's what I'm refusing. <laughs> um, she began to pray, and every night for four weeks kept up her prayers, hoping that Zona would return to her to explain what had happened. According to local legend, Zona appeared to her mother in a dream four weeks after the funeral. She said that she was. She said that Ed was a cruel man who abused her, Aww. and who attacked her in a fit of rage when he believed that she had cooked no meat for dinner. Oh my god, he would not sit well with me. Then. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I would find it understandable. I like to eat meat. Every second week. <laughs> um, he broke her neck to prove this. The ghost turned her head around until it was... Uh, he broke her neck, comma. To prove this, the ghost turned her head around until it was facing backwards. Oh, that's a bit spooky. Where do you think that fits on the scale of uh, unreasonable um, overreactions? Like breaking someone's neck because they didn't cook meat. Yeah. I mean, on on the on one end of the scale, you would say thank you for cooking dinner despite it not having meat. Yeah. On the other end is probably breaking someone's neck. Was she it. doing meat-free Monday? Did she pioneer <laughs> meat-free Monday? Maybe she and was that's why doing... it never really caught on until maybe it's doing a resurgence over 100 years later. Maybe she was trying what we try, which is vegetarian every other week. Yeah, she was. <laughs> it was just that first Monday. She was like, honey, I'm just, just trying to you know diversify our diet. Supposedly, the ghost appeared as at first as a bright light, gradually taking form and filling the room with a chill. She is said to have visited Mrs. Hester over the course of four nights. Armed with the story, the uh, armed with the story allegedly told to her by the ghost, Mary Jane Hester visited the local prosecutor John Preston and spent several hours in his office convincing him to reopen the matter of her daughter's death. Do you think back in those days, though, like actually not feeding someone meat on a Monday would be a reasonable excuse for murder? Do you yeah, think like you probably get away just, with it? Yeah. So, well, you know. She could have, could have just cooked meat. It's like, bitch, please, cook some meat. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, whether he believed her story of the ghost is unknown, but he did have enough doubt to dispatch deputies to re-interview several people of interest in the case, including Dr. Knapp. He was likely responding to public sentiment as numerous locals had begun suggesting that Zona had been murdered. Mm-hmm. Preston himself. <laughs> I made one myself, but you wouldn't do it. This is kind of a true crime pro- podcast. This week. <laughs> True Crime Podcast. <Yeah. laughs> 
That's where we get aroused and <laughs> prod each other with our bonus. Oh, yeah, maybe it's just a podcast. <laughs> Preston himself went to speak to Dr. We just Dr. need a new type of podcast, a podcast. <laughs> Let's get some New Zealand on air funding for that. <laughs> oh, it comes back to bonus again, doesn't it? <laughs> and willies. Preston himself went to speak to Dr. Knapp, who stated that he had not made a complete examination of the body. This was viewed as sufficient justification for an autopsy and exhumation was ordered and, in- and an inquest jury formed. Zona's body was examined on February 22nd, 1897 in the local one-room schoolhouse. She had, uh, Ed had vigorously complained about this turn of events but was required by law to be present at the autopsy. He responded that he knew he would be arrested but that no one would be able to prove his guilt. The autopsy lasted three hours and found that Zona's neck had indeed been broken due to a lack of protein in the cooking pot. (laughs) According to the report published on March 9th, 1897, the discovery was made that the neck was broken and the windpipe mashed. Ooh. Like the vegetables on the stove. (laughs) (laughs) On the throat were the marks of fingers, indicating that she had been choked. The neck was dislocated between the first and second vertebrae. The ligaments were torn and ruptured. The windpipe had been crushed to a point at a point in front of the neck. On the strength of this evidence and his behaviour at the inquest, Ed was arrested and charged with the moider moida. of his wife. Ed was held in, the, in jail at Lewisburg while waiting for the trial to begin. During this time, more information about the past was coming to light. He had been married twice before his first marriage ending in divorce with his wife accusing him of great cruelty. His second wife died under mysterious circumstances less than a year after they were married. After trying to convert him to a vegan diet. Yeah. Zona was his third wife. And and Ed began to talk of wishing to wed seven women. He freely spoke of this ambition while in jail and told reporters that he was sure he would be let free because there was so little evidence against him. Really? I think it's quite convincing, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, this is an open and shut case. Yeah. Um, we know the guy didn't get any meat that night. I know, yeah. <laughs> like, what else could he have done? He's clearly done it. Uh, but because he was starved to meat, maybe he didn't have the energy and the the because the, 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 of the uh, lack of iron in his diet, and he couldn't possibly have hurt someone. The trial began June 22nd, 1897, and Mary Hester was Preston's star witness. He confined his questioning to the known facts of the case, skirting the issue of the ghostly sightings. Wise. Perhaps hoping to prove her unreliable, Ed's lawyer questioned Mrs. Hester extensively about her daughter's visits on cross-examination. The tactic backfired when Mrs. Hester would not waver in her account, despite intense badgering. As... As the defense had introduced the issue, the judge found it difficult to instruct the jury to disregard the story of the ghost, and many people in the community seemed to believe it. Consequently, Ed was found guilty of murder on July 11th and sentenced to life in prison. A lynch mob was formed (laughs) to take him from the jail and hang him, but the mob was disbanded by the deputy sheriff before any damage was done. Four of them sounds like fun to be in a lynch mob. Does it? Yeah. It really says something about your character. Sounds high energy. You want a lynch mob that, like, goes and, you know, builds things, though. Yeah, like a helping one. one. (laughs) Yeah. Like a a charitable lynch mob. Yeah, a charitable lynch mob. You go and, like, build shelters for people. Like that lynch mob that followed around Jesus. (laughs) 
the 12 oh those 12 members of his lynch mob <laughs> four of the mobs organized organizers later face charges for their actions see they happened to jesus this one too Ed was moved to the West Virginia State Penitentiary in Moundsville, where he ser- where he lived for three more years. He died on March 13, 1900, the victim of an unknown epidemic, and was buried in an unmarked grave in the local cemetery. Some have said if only he had a bit more meat in his diet, mm-hmm. he may have lived Ironically, survived. the cemetery is now a cornfield. No, it's oh. not. <laughs> I made that up. <laughs> Mrs. Hester never recanted her story of her daughter's ghost and died in September 1916. As for Zona, her ghost was never seen in the area again. Probably doesn't need to solve, solve the problem there. D- done that's, deal, right? That's efficient ghosting, I Isn't reckon. it? Yeah. Just a couple of... Uh, although, could have done it earlier. Uh, waited till four weeks later. You need coaxing out. You know, mm. it's, you'd be a bit shy. <laughs> You need to um, show off your ghost powers. Yeah, hand, hand, maybe you need to be able to manage your business. You want to practice that head turn around thing as well. Exactly. Yeah. You can't. Just, you wouldn't be able to do that straight away. It's that thing where you appear and you know your head can turn around, but you don't want to do it straight away because no. it might freak someone out. Well, yeah, you may not do it right. Yeah. You're like, oh, guy got got you know got three quarters of the way around, yeah, and yeah. it's like, oh, I'm stuck, and then you have to sort of go, oh, sorry, call call this one off. I'll come back tomorrow. Exactly. Try it again. Yeah. Exactly. You want to perfect. You want to practice the perfectionist of ghost. <laughs> Um, okay, so shall we jump into oh, any further questions? Any other comments? Cool. What are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, always always a bit tricky with the ones that have uh, come with a bit of uh, sort of old timey old timiness. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what's the thing? The historical tales. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the fact that the um, the ghost story appeared um, in court uh, under questioning and was so vehemently um, defended that. The jury still will have that. Yeah. I think these days it probably wouldn't get as far. Yeah, yeah, you're probably because right. all those sensing murder programs they never solve anything <laughs> with the ghost coming to it. Yeah, all the yeah, sniffing, all the sniffing murder parodies. That, uh, <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. All right, we'll move on. Okay, should we book it? Uh, yeah, I think this time around is that, that sound you hear is fresh from 1982 mm-hmm. this is the last segment of the show where we dive into the 1982 reader's digest version of mysteries of the unexplained flick to a random page and read out some of the tales that were prominent oh it's 80s. flicking well today it's flicking well today it's a good bit of so, movement there <laughs> so yeah further update on um the fact that we have two books got two books we've got one shelved um, awaiting its fate hasn't been shelved isn't it? we've shelved it forever and it's disappeared and it's off the uh, face of the earth but we've literally put it on a shelf if the, yeah if, if anything could be shelves without question it's a book yes <laughs> we've shelved the book I'm like oh like, no 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 it's in a bookcase <laughs> okay so um let's any good tales in here good tales in here did you start the music no i did just then beautiful okay <laughs> ready i'm gonna flicky okay Stop. We haven't made it all the way to the index page no. yet. <clears throat> so this is um, Ooh, there's some almost, longer I'd ones say that's here. about 88% of the way through the book towards the back. For those of you playing at home. <laughs> <laughs> um, Where have we landed? We've, how are we doing for time? Do we want a short one or a long one? Um, middle one middle one all right i'll give you a middle one <laughs> yeah. so um we're definitely in some ufo one. Oh, really yeah so we you like ufo ones. ufo interesting that's way up the back of that book you 
F. <laughs> oh. <laughs> is it alphabetical? I don't know. It's like, no idea. Mm, who knows? No, I think it's weird, like, categories where it says, like, things from above or whatever. Actually, what is this category called? I mean, I can tell it's UFO because I can see a flying disky. Uh, what have we got? This is that area where you pad to find have it. What we got? It's probably quite a big section. Un- unidentified flying objects. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> We're okay. in the UFO section then. What have we got? On the evening of October 11, 1973, Kelvin Parker and Charles Hickson were fishing near Pascalula, Mississippi. It's probably not said right. When they both saw a bright 20-foot-long oval object land nearby, three occupants emerged and advanced towards them. The five-foot-tall creatures were pale grey in colour, with horribly wrinkled skin, need some Botox. They had no neck... Their arms ended in claw-like hands with only two fingers, and their legs seemed to be fused together. Ow. <laughs> what? The sight made Parker Wouldn't that faint. mean they're just it's like sou- it's like, rather it's like, than legs? Well, it's like South Park animation. <laughs> they sort of pop along. If your legs are fused together, then they're not legs. It's a leg. <laughs> the sight made Parker faint. Hickson was carried off by one of the creatures, while another took the unconscious Parker. They floated. Oh, they're floating. There you go. They floated towards the UFO and entered the craft. Hickson found himself in a very brightly lit room with a large eye-like device and it examined him minutely. Mm, okay. Afterward, Hickson and Parker were both floated out of the UFO and deposited back on the riverbank. I guess this is a bit like the story that's come up overnight around the Saudi king who uses an escalator to get down the stairs of his personal 747. What are you talking about? Where, like, these aliens are so lazy, they don't want to actually walk, they float. Right. And the king of Saudi Arabia doesn't want to walk up and down stairs, he has an escalator, even when boarding a, his private plane. So can he only land at certain airports? They, they, no, they fly his golden escalator, and it broke down yesterday, and this, this the story was that he got stuck on it halfway down, so it stood there for like five minutes <laughs> while they are trying to fix it. Are you serious? Yeah, it's quite funny, look at it. So he just waited there while they're trying they to fix it. They roll a golden escalator up to the 747, and wow. he just... <laughs> But then it broke down halfway down in Russia. So do they keep it in the cargo hold or something and then just plot it? They must have to fly in a separate cargo plane because it be it would be hef- it wouldn't fit inside the hold of a seven four seven. Wow, um, a passenger one. It'd have to be a cargo one, a dedicated cargo one. Mm-hmm. So Parker and Hickson were both floated out of the UFO and deposited back on the riverbank. The two men, after some hesitation and a few drinky poos, uh, told their story to a sheriff, and the incident became headline news. A lie detector test. Um, better known as a polygraph this is again coming back to cr- true crime lie detector bad term for it it's a polygraph what about a monograph no <laughs> was supposedly co- uh, that, well, what what <laughs> a lie detector test that supposedly corroborated been... their account was later questioned Hickson then refused to take another test since both men were afraid of hypnosis and would not submit themselves to it, no additional insights could be gained by that technique. So that's a bit dubious, I reckon. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. When, when they talk about you seeing creatures that has like two fingers, that even like in terms of like regular, I guess, development of species and evolution, mm. it's unlikely that a two-finger type evolution of an of a advanced creature, I think, would, would develop. Like you need more than two appendages to... You're, that's like the opposable thumb argument. Yeah. So. So I think they're making it up because it doesn't sound like. I reckon that in my my belief 
yep. of uh, evolution of species on other planets is that two fingers is impractical and mm-hmm. not happening. What and fused legs also. <laughs> it's, it's, probably actually, it's probably actually the more convincing one. <laughs> what about something like a crab if its pincers turned into fingers? No. <laughs> <laughs> but are you still thinking of it like um, human limbs where they can only... It like, said two fingers. In. It said two fingers. Two appendages. Two appendages. But if they could go like you know like really double jointed or something maybe that's got a use sounds more confusing <laughs> it's easier not to how would you pleasure yourself with that yeah no species would survive if it couldn't no exactly <laughs> <laughs> alright on that note we'll uh, call that another we week we hold this of... can quite well with tough thing too <laughs> yeah see you're going good um, on that note we'll call that another week of lights in the sky podcast join us next week for more tales from the paranormal Worlds. Worlds. Yeah. <laughs> and dick jokes. Yeah. Alrighty. Alright, catch you next week. Toodaloo.